From Upstate Medical University in Syracuse, New York, I'm Amber Smith. This is HealthLink on Air. Can brief psychotherapy improve your performance at work or in your personal life? Today, I'm talking with a psychologist you might know from his books, Forbes magazine column, blog, and podcast devoted to the psychology of trading. Dr. Brett Steenbarger is a performance coach for por- portfolio managers and traders at financial organizations, and he's also a teaching professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at Upstate. He's with me by phone today. Thank you, Dr. B- Steenbarger. Well, thank you very much, Amber. Now, the bio on your blog says that you provide coaching, not individual therapy, and that you emphasize solution-focused therapies for the mentally well. Can you describe what that means? Yes, it's an important distinction, and I think it's a good place for us to start. Uh, Traditional psychotherapy is really designed to help people with enduring problems that they've encountered in their lives. They could be emotional problems, behavioral problems, so forth, but something in their history has created conflicts and problems, and those continue uh, to plague them in, in their current lives. When we talk about coaching or counseling, we're really talking about dealing with current and normal, expectable developmental challenges that people face Uh, that aren't necessarily long-term problems and conflicts uh, people have had. So if someone has, for instance, problems adjusting to a new job, uh, that's a a coaching issue, a counseling issue, not a psychotherapy issue. Now, the solution-focused approach is one that takes a look at people's strengths and looks to maximize those. So in a solution-focused mode, you don't talk just about a person's problems. You talk about when those problems are not occurring and what is the person doing right? What are they doing in in an adaptive way when the problems are not occurring? Because many times when the problems aren't there, you can find the kernels of solutions. Interesting. Now, your audience typically are traders from Wall Street, right? Yes, traders uh, from various uh, parts of the financial world, and some of them work in hedge funds, some of them work in asset management firms, some of them are overseas in uh, Europe and Asia, some are in the U.S. Yeah, so it's a real variety of people in the financial world. Now, I'm thinking some of our, our listeners, you know, who aren't traders are still going to be able to apply some of what we talk about to their lives, even if they have nothing to do with that environment. Um, That's exactly right, Amber, and, and that gets back to your introduction. It's all about performance. And uh, if we think about ourselves in terms of what we try to do well, yeah, that's performance. We might be trying to perform better as a parent. We might be trying to perform better in our workplace. Uh, There are so many different areas in which we are engaged in performance. And so these techniques, these short-term techniques, can be very helpful for uh, improving any aspect of performance. When you talked about or defined solution-focused therapy, is that the same thing as positive psychology? That's a really good question, and there, there is a tremendous overlap between the two. They evolved separately. 
uh, positive psychology has come, uh, <coughs> excuse me, out of the um, work of uh, Dr. Martin Seligman, and really is uh, focused on people's strengths and uh, examining, understanding people's positive experiences. Uh, and positive attributes. Uh, Solution-focused work actually came out of the family therapy literature and was an attempt to engage in short-term family therapy by leveraging the strengths of the couples and families. Okay. Now, for but They're both positively focused. They're, they both are looking to do more of what a person is good at. Okay, and focus on what's working and, and kind of downplay what might not be working. Yes. In other words, make the most of what you do well um, instead of just trying to uh, improve what you're not doing well. Those improvements are important, and correcting our errors are certainly important. But the goal is not just to correct our negatives and get to an average point. The goal is really to become great as a performer and um, – do more of uh, the strengths and the gifts that we've been born with. Okay. Now, you coach people to shift their states of consciousness to rapidly exit um, anxious or impulsive or depressed or guilty frames of mind. How do you tell people to do this? Yes, and, and that whole idea of changing your state of consciousness is very important to psychological change. But let me back up, if I may, Amber, and, and speak from my experience as a faculty member at Upstate in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences, there are certainly many, many cases where people have anxious states or depressed states, and these have a biological basis. We can inherit tendencies toward those kind of mood problems and behavioral problems. And sometimes in those situations, a short-term therapy is not enough, and coaching is not enough. And that's why we have uh, medications, uh, psychiatric treatments that are uh, very safe and not habit-forming that can help us on the biological end. So when people have anxious and depressed states, it's often good to first get a workup from a qualified medical professional and make sure that it's not something that may have that underlying biological substrate. So that's a good point. I was wondering, how do you tell if it's biological or, or not? But you need sort of professional help with that. Yeah, and, and uh, I coordinated the student counseling for many years at, at Upstate, and that was a key uh, distinction I had to make. When we see a lifelong history of a problem, and when there is a family history of that same problem, we really want to suspect that there might be something biological going on. On the other hand, if there has not been a lifelong history, if this is more of a recent phenomenon, and uh, there's no family history of that, then that's more situational. And it's in those uh, uh, situational uh, problems that we find the short-term approaches uh, to uh, coaching help being most helpful. This is Upstate's Health Link on Air. I'm your host, Amber Smith, and I'm talking with psychologist Brett Steenbarger, a teaching professor in the Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences at Upstate. Well, is it hard to learn how to, if, if you've got a situational um, 
anxiety, let's say. Is it hard to learn how to change that quickly? It's um, not necessarily hard to learn how to change it. It's hard to sustain the changes. What we learn from the research literature in uh, psychotherapy in general is that it's fairly easy to make changes, not so easy to changes. The relapse is common, uh, as we talk about in the alcohol field. But to get back to the earlier question about the states of consciousness, what we need to do is shift our thinking and, and shift the way we process information about ourselves when we are in getting into these anxious or depressed states. There are um, meditation techniques that can be very useful for this. There are techniques in what is called behavioral and cognitive therapies that can be very useful. So, for instance, a person who has a tendency to be very hard on themselves and get down will learn to keep a cognitive journal and write down their negative thought patterns, and then will actually challenge those patterns in a very emotional way, just like they're engaging in a debate. And that's that shift in state. So now the enemy is not themselves, so to speak. The enemy is their negative thinking patterns, and they're challenging those negative thinking patterns just as if someone else was saying those things to them. And it's in that um, energy of challenging those negative patterns that people are able to make changes and sustain them. Well, I'm imagining just writing it down, the, the act of doing that might be helpful, too, to sort of distance yourself and look at it a little more objectively. Great point. And it also is a way of increasing our mindfulness, if you think about it, that we become more self-aware when we write down our thinking. And we can ask ourselves more mindful questions like, hmm, would I be saying this to someone else? who is going through the same situation? You know, if, if this person I love, if my child were going through this, would I be talking that way to my own child? Well, if not, why should I talk to myself that way? Suddenly you become your own observer, and, it, and that shift of frame helps you process information in a different way. Interesting. Well, I know you've looked and compared um, peak performers with average performers have you found that peak performers are better at shifting their states of consciousness quickly? Yes, and I would say more generally they're better at working on themselves. Uh, the, the peak performers in any field, and this certainly is, is true in the financial field, they, they keep score. They, they track what they're doing and how they're doing it, and they set goals and they make steady, focused improvements. There's a term in the psychology literature called deliberate practice. Uh, and, and what that really means is that you are practicing very specific skills, make very targeted changes, and you're sustaining that over time. And that's what we see Olympic athletes do. That's what we see successful portfolio managers do. And I think it applies to our personal areas of performance, like I said, at work or at, at home, if we're trying to be a better uh, spouse and partner, if we're trying to be a better parent. Um, we target these areas for change and very uh, systematically in a structured way, work on those and learn from what we do well and improve what we didn't do so well. 
Now, traders, I, I imagine traders working in high-stress environments. So do, do you have advice about managing stress? Do you get asked that often? Yes, I, I, I'm asked that a lot. And, and yes, it is very stressful. They're uh, doing what they do to, to make money, and financial markets are challenging. And so it can be very stressful when and, they and they uh, never the, they never close either, right? The markets in well, when... yes, and that's a really good point for those who are trading uh, asset classes around the world, uh, which would be more of a portfolio management. Uh, yes, they have to be aware of what's going on in Europe and Asia, and, and so that poses a unique set of stresses just in terms of time demand. Um, sort of like a physician who's on call. You know, yeah, uh, for right. long periods of time. So yes, and, and the the approach that I uh, talk about uh, with folks is to make sure that they have multiple areas of life that are providing them with psychological well-being, and that's this gets into the positive psychology that you were talking about. There are four areas of psychological well-being. The first is happiness, joy, doing things that are fun. The second is fulfillment, doing things that are meaningful to us. The third is energy, doing things that invigorate us. It could be cognitively in terms of stimulating us intellectually. It could be physically in terms of physical exercise. And the fourth area is relationships, doing things with people we're close to and uh, building those relationships. Those four areas contribute to our psychological well-being. And so we want to have things in our lives at all times that fire on those cylinders, that give us the happiness and the fulfillment and the energy and the positive relationships. And so when we have those positives in our lives, the research tells us that that balances the stresses that we face. So that, yes, we face stress, but it doesn't become distress. The stress doesn't make us depressed and anxious because we have these other positive things in our lives that are giving us energy. Wow. Well, that's good to know. Is your, are your services in less demand when the markets are, are doing well? That's a good question. Uh, Excuse me. I would say that the services are most in demand when markets are quite volatile, when you have prices moving a lot, when there's a great deal of uncertainty in the economic environment. Uh, I think out of that uncertainty, people tend more to reach out for help. And so I do see some correlation that way. That's interesting. Well, yeah. I want to I thank you so much for your time. My guest well, has been... Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate the opportunity to share perspectives with the upstate community. I've been part of that community since 1985 and, and value it tremendously. My guest has been psychologist Dr. Brett Steenbarger. He's a teaching professor in Upstate's Department of Psychiatry and Behavioral Sciences. This is Upstate's HealthLink on Air.